0: It's Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, the 357th day of dystopia. Truth is the most convincing story that maps on to reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Fewer people are convinced by the story each day as they begin to see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. The time for allowing them to make us feel like strangers in our own country is over. We are Americans. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. This is the end game. Before we get started, I just want to thank once again the people that have donated to the show, whether it's on Substack or Anchor or the new payment platform that I set up, Ko-Fi. Which is ko fi.com slash I'm your moderator. You have no idea how much stress you are relieving in my life. And that makes it so much easier for me to focus on the show and on the work I'm doing. Also, there are a bunch of new designs up on the merch site. It's cancelcodetour.com or you can go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel. Couture, and I've got some stickers up there now, some new t-shirts, a little line of t-shirts I launched called Free Man, which is kind of a shout out to the friend I lost a couple of months ago, and it is also a signifier, you are part of a free mankind, and it is advice, we need to free man, we need to free mankind, and I also made... Uh, the podcast logo stickers and my favorite thing of all time. If you live in Los Angeles, these stickers will make me laugh so hard. If you start putting them up in places, they have a picture of the Hollywood Hill with the Hollywood sign, except it says, sorry, Hollywood, Chris Paul was right. And I think that they're starting to figure that out. But it would be even better if it was exactly right in their faces every day. That will crack me up. So if you feel like doing that and you're in the Hollywood area, do it and send me pictures. I will giggle endlessly. I will repost the pictures you send me and I will be forever grateful that you are participating in something that makes me laugh that hard. So yesterday I started the show with a clip from CNN where the state propagandist Oliver Darcy was bemoaning the fact that the American public was no longer listening to the mainstream media, which as I defined it in the first episode of the end game is the end game for the narrative and the narrative end game is important because that is the signal that the rest of the end game is happening. All right. From the very, very beginning, I have said when enough people understand the truth, this is over. We need to hit that critical mass and it doesn't have to be everybody, but it's got to be mostly everybody. And then, you know, we're, we've probably got 30% or so of the country that, is still remaining willfully clueless about the most important issues that have ever affected their lives. And all of these people think that they are incredibly intelligent, but it is not intelligent to be among the very few final people to still be wrong about the most important stuff that has happened in your entire life. That is not what the definition of smart is anywhere. But once the people realize on a massive scale what has actually happened, what these people have actually done, that is when we move forward because the people have to be on board to counter such widespread infiltration and evil unless you want a civil war and no one wants that. None of us want it. None of us need it. The people who will eventually attempt to start political violence in this country are all in the Democrat Communist Party, and everybody knows it. There is no political violence on the right, and you can scream January 6th until your voice hurts, but you're going to need more and better examples than that after the country witnessed what Democrats supported in the summer of 2020. And no one should fall into the switcheroo trap and pretend even for a second that groups like the KKK somehow have something to do with conservatism. They do not. It is a collectivist ideology. They were, in fact, Democrats. And the ideology fits the ideology of Democrats. I'm not saying all Democrats are KKK. But I am saying that they believe in a collectivist ideology, and it is all a part of the same thing. And so let's stick with the theme of the narrative collapsing and the end game being reached and have a look at this article from Axios. And Axios is about as mainstream, elite, globalist a publication as you can possibly imagine. This is from yesterday. Elena Treen is the author, and the headline is, The Biden Agenda is Meeting a Dead End. Now, Axios doesn't really write articles. Axios writes little quips and bullet points because apparently people who read Axios can't read complete paragraphs and sentences. So this is going to sound awkward, but that's how they actually do their news. Voting reform looks as unlikely this year as Build Back Better. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Yes! Although President Biden is now championing voting protection as the most pressing domestic issue, top Democrat lawmakers see little path to passage of anything like what the party base is demanding. Why it matters. As midterm campaigning ramps up, Biden's biggest accomplishments could well be in his rearview mirror. And then here comes the bullet points. All the Democrats in the Senate are anxious about delivering on our promises. Senator Elizabeth Warren told Axios, we know what's at stake and we're working hard to try to find a path to get there, but it's hard. And so I guess that's all Elizabeth Warren's contribution amounts to. There's no discussion of that. Just a quote, just a quote for the children out there, letting them know that it's very hard. Elizabeth Warren is having emotional difficulty. Getting a policy that the nation clearly does not want at all passed into law or whatever it is a bunch of illegitimate senators and congressmen are able to do when they pass these fake bills. It's a lot of hope, not a lot of detail at this moment. Representative Jamal Bowman told Axios's Andrew Solander. frustration in Washington, D.C., Senator Mark Kelly sarcastically said when asked about Democrat strategy. I've been here about 14 months now. The U.S. Senate, the organization doesn't run like anything else I've ever seen before. (laughs) Senator Bernie Sanders told The Guardian, it's absolutely important that we do a major course correction. (laughs) Yes, and Bernie's suggestion is always more communism, as if that's not exactly what people are rejecting. Hey, Bernie, you know, as well as all of your colleagues that Joe Biden didn't win. The country doesn't like communism. That's why it didn't vote for communism. The solution is not more communism. People can understand that you sometimes don't have the votes, but they can't understand why we haven't brought up important legislation that 70 percent or 80 percent of the American people support. Sanders said And I mean, he's probably talking about paying back people's college loans or free college or permanent, free, universal health care for everyone, Medicare for all. And of course, none of these things are things that 70% to 80% of the American people actually want. Bernie just always says that and people assume that he must be right. There must be a poll somewhere behind what he's saying. And I'm sure that Bernie has had a study or a poll done somewhere saying that certain elements of his plan are things that Americans favor. And so he assumes that that means the whole thing is attractive to Americans, even though, of course, it isn't driving the news. Biden used his bully pulpit in Georgia on Tuesday in a last ditch effort to build public pressure, not so much on Republicans, but on his own party. He urged his fellow Democrats to take advantage of their full control of Congress and the White House to pass sweeping voting rights legislation. But his effort will be largely futile. The Freedom to Vote Act he pitched is likely going to fail given united opposition from Republicans and a refusal by Senators Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin to lower the filibuster threshold to get around that partisan blockade. Biden's signature $1.75 trillion build back better social and climate agenda also remains on life support amid high inflation and continued opposition from similar forces, Republicans and Manchin. And again, I always love when they say that's Biden's signature policy. Biden did not create the policies. The policies were conceived at the World Economic Forum. And truthfully, the policies were very likely conceived a long time ago. And all of the most globalist countries are going along with those policies. You can search on YouTube. Just type in build back better compilation and you can see world leaders from across the globe all saying that they want to build back better. It was a plan for a long time. It's got nothing to do with Joe Biden. Between the lines, oh, this must be the section of Axios where they give us the real inside knowledge. Democrats have passed a $1.9 trillion coronavirus relief package and a $1.25 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill, the biggest in modern history, during Biden's first year. Neither was a small feat in the current hyper-polarized congressional environment. They're also primed to pass, with help from Republicans, updates to the Electoral Count Act, a century-old law Trump supporters tried to use to reverse the 2020 election results. And of course, that's utter nonsense. They're trying to make it so that electors cannot be challenged, no matter how obvious the fraud is, so long as they are certified by the governor of the state. What they're saying. Those successes give hope to some Democrats. We can run on the American Rescue Plan. We can run on BIF. Hopefully we can run on BBB as well. Bowman told Axios, White House spokesman Andrew Bates told Axios, the president's leadership just delivered the best year for job creation in American history and reduced the unemployment rate to 3.9%. (laughs) And no one believes you. He's fighting to protect the most American right, the vote. And the rule of law against the worst threat to the integrity of our election since the Civil War. Like he said Tuesday, keep the faith. And they actually don't tell you who that quote is even from. Isn't it amusing to notice that the elite outlets are this utterly brain dead? I mean, these are just quotes from Democrats. That is all this article is, and a few opinions, a few statements where they are giving the globalist spin to things that no one actually likes or cares about. This is part of the reason they're losing. Okay. This is the best example of how they talk to their, what do you call them? Followers, children, their audience, their readers. This is intellectual content for the people we're dealing with right now. This is where the smart people go to get something real quick, you know, because knowing about the complex issues in the world is something that you can just do in 30 seconds on your iPhone after Apple news pops up a new piece of propaganda that you absolutely must see. Oh, well, it hit the front page of my phone. I guess I'd better know what that's about. Oh, wait. I'd better check Instagram first. Thank goodness I read that headline, though. Now I'm informed. So Joe Biden gave a speech in Atlanta yesterday, and they're doing this thing with Joe Biden where he is supposed to yell his speeches now because it is intended, I guess, to make people think that he is really on the ball. He is a very assertive and forceful leader who knows what he's doing and knows with the full passion of his being that his cause is right and just. So let's check out a little bit of it.
1: The denial of fair and free elections is undemocratic. It is not unprecedented. Black Americans were denied full citizenship voting rights until 1965. Women were denied the right to vote just 100 years ago. The United States Supreme Court in recent years has weakened the Voting Rights Act. And now the defeated former president and his supporters use the big lie about the 2020 election to fuel torrent and torment and anti-voting laws. New laws designed to suppress your vote to subvert our elections. Here in Georgia, for years, you've done the hard work of democracy, registering voters, educating voters, getting voters to the polls. You've built a broad coalition of voters, black, white, Latino, Asian-American, urban, suburban, rural, working class and middle class. And it's worked. You've changed the state by bringing more people legally to the polls. That's how you won the historic elections with Senator Raphael Warnock and Senator John Ossoff. You did it. You did it the right way, the Democratic way. And what's been the reaction of Republicans in Georgia? Choose the wrong way, the undemocratic way. To them, too many people voting in a democracy is a problem so they're putting up obstacles for example voting by mail is a safe and convenient way to get more people to vote so they're making it harder for you to vote by mail the same way i might add in the 2020 election president trump voted from behind the desk in the white house in florida wait how did they win the election you've changed the state By bringing more people legally to the polls. Oh,
0: Georgia brought people legally to the polls. Don't you see? Every time he says it, it becomes more true. That's why he always reminds everybody that what happened in Georgia and around the country was actually legal. It wasn't fraud. The fraud is a big lie. That's why he always has to repeat that the election was free and fair and legal, and that's why it's especially important to make sure that no one ever checks. That's why the Democrats are fighting election integrity efforts all around the country, even though a judge in Pennsylvania just today said that Pennsylvania's Election investigation can go forward. Oops. I guess Josh Shapiro, the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, who said when all the votes are counted, Joe Biden will win on Election Day in 2020, didn't come out on the winning side of this one. Gosh, so sad. And election investigations are moving forward in Wisconsin and Arizona and Georgia. And we don't even know which other states, true the vote, has evidence of ballot harvesting at the drop boxes. And Joe Biden, of course, mentioned the drop boxes and said those were very legal, too. He wouldn't want to, like, put Mark Zuckerberg on the hot seat. He wouldn't want the fact that Mark Zuckerberg spent a half a billion dollars stealing the 2020 election to come out. He doesn't want that to be exposed. That's part of what he's screaming is legal, and you can tell he really means it by the fact he's screaming. It's also strange that he noted that President Trump voted in 2020 via mail-in ballot from behind his desk at the White House in Florida. Now, why would Joe Biden think that President Trump would be at the White House in Florida? There's not a White House in Florida, is there? (laughs) Nah, it's probably just some demented old idiot messing up. Joe Biden also had a moment yesterday where he was joking about how old he is. He was giving some sort of history lesson and... Then he mentioned that it seems like just yesterday when he was arrested. And the implication is that he was arrested as part of a civil rights demonstration. Of course, that never happened. Joe Biden has told the stories of his arrest for many years. And they've all been, to use a word the communists enjoy, debunked. They're just simply not true. Joe Biden just used to say them all the time as if they were true because they were effective. But then people actually checked. Joe still says them, but he actually catches himself in the middle. It's pretty funny. It's also pretty pathetic. And then this was an interesting moment as well.
1: In totalitarian states, not in democracies, we must be vigilant. And the world is watching. I've known the majority of the world leaders, the good and the bad ones, adversaries and allies alike. They're watching American democracy and seeing whether we can meet this moment. And that's not hyperbole. When I showed up at the G7 with seven other world leaders, there were a total of nine present. Vice President Harris and I have spent our careers doing this work. I said, America's back. And the response was, for how long? For how long? As someone who's worked in foreign policy my whole life, I never thought I would ever hear our allies say something like that.
0: I was at the G7 with seven other world leaders. There were nine of us at all. it was me and my puppy commando and seven world leaders. It was Jill and Kamala and seven dwarves. So of course the demented old idiot thing is always in play, but that's not actually the part of the clip that I care about. I care about the conversation that he says he had with world leaders. And he tells this story kind of a lot. I've heard it. More than two times, I'm certain Joe goes on talking about how he's restored our democracy and the other world leaders, all of whom, by the way, are pretty much centerpieces. Their countries at least are of the Build Back Better scheme that was hatched at the World Economic Forum led by Klaus Schwab, who is, in fact, the author of COVID-19, the Great Reset. It's an actual book. You can read it. I have posted that book and little excerpts from that book in the info stream. You can just search in the info stream on Telegram t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can use a search feature and just type in Klaus Schwab global reset and you will see all of that and you can read it for yourself because the great reset is not a conspiracy theory. Build back better is the policy agenda that supports the great reset. That's why all these countries are involved. okay? but so Joe Biden goes in there and he says because Joe Biden has so much charisma and he's so good with people and knowing the exact right thing to say all the time. He always knows exactly how his words will go over. He says America is back. Very strong, very strong indeed. And the world leaders say for how long? So there's. Almost no chance that this is a real story that actually happened, right? It's more likely, far more likely that his speech writers wrote that in there and that they just aren't very good writers. And what they were doing was projecting their own sentiment into the mouth of one of their characters, which would be these other world leaders, rather than understanding that This is not something those characters would say because they all know the same agenda. And let's be honest, there isn't a world leader on this planet who believes that Joe Biden was legally elected. Okay, because many of them aren't legally elected either. None of this is a conspiracy theory. We have all heard about elections being rigged and robbed, For our entire lives, but it's always in some Central American country or some Southeast Asian country or some Eastern European country or some Middle Eastern country or in Africa where there's just dictators. And we understand that our military has overthrown legally elected leaders because we don't like their policies or what they're doing in the region. And sometimes that might be justified and sometimes it's not. And we also understand our intelligence communities have sparked coups in other countries, and overturned their governments. But we think, no, 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 that can't happen here. Well, you can look to Myanmar for a parallel. You can look to Belarus for a parallel. You can look to Peru for a parallel. And you can watch what happens in Brazil this year if you would like another parallel. The truth is it happens all around the world all the time. And it's not American intelligence that's doing that. It is American intelligence on behalf of the same global powers, the United Nations, which spawned out of the League of Nations. There have, in fact, been globalists pursuing a global world order for a very, very long time, longer than anyone on this planet has been alive. That's how long globalists have been pursuing a global world order. Do you think? they would hesitate to steal elections in Central American countries or Southeast Asian countries. No one would even take that idea seriously. But when it comes to the United States, no, that's impossible. Our election was the most safe and secure election that ever happened in history. Anywhere. And yeah, I mean, yes, we just said for four years that the other guy had cheated and won the election and was illegitimate, but that can't happen in our country. And we've learned our lesson now. But let's pursue a different course for a moment and say that Joe Biden actually is telling the truth, that the globalist leaders at the G7 really did respond to his claim that America is back by asking for how long, for how long, what does that question mean? If you are them and what does that question mean? If you are Joe Biden repeating that question in speeches, right? He is trying to implore his child brain followers that it is very important for them to act now and override all government precedent that has been set out for decades and centuries in this country. They need to do all of that because if they don't, they run the risk of turning this country back over to the bad people. You understand? And how Would they go about doing that? How would the bad people take this country back over? Well, Joe Biden's speech is giving you the proper context in which to view that. The proper context is by having free and fair elections unencumbered by a federalization and centralization of the electoral rules and process, which is what the Democrats are going for now. So Joe Biden is saying we need to overturn governmental norms and change the rules of voting or else the bad people will come back into power. Already he is admitting defeat. That is clear just from the context of the speech and the things he's saying for how long, for how long. But if a world leader is asking him that question, then they are also aware of the dynamic Joe Biden is aware of. And that dynamic is that Joe Biden didn't win. It should not be a certainty in an evenly divided country that one party is about to absolutely destroy and end the other party. But that is clear. It's clear to Joe Biden and his handlers and whoever wrote this speech. And it's clear to those other world leaders, assuming they'd ask that question, because that would indicate that they knew and they know that Joe Biden is illegitimate. Why else would they ask for how long the system that put Joe Biden into office and expected that it could cement its position forever should not yield a doubt like that, right? What sort of understanding must these very smart, very capable globalist world leaders have if they are asking the question, how long can the globalist movement hang on to power in America? What they recognize is the red tsunami that is coming at them. And that's not Republicans. It's not Adam Kinzinger and Mitt Romney. No, that's us. The rest of the leaders in the world and the pillars of the globalist movement understand that there is no popular support for that agenda in the United States of America, and that there wasn't any popular support for it during the 2020 election. That is why they ask that question, if indeed they do. And the funniest thing in terms of political communications is it actually doesn't matter if that story really happened. Because Joe Biden's speechwriters really wrote it into his speech, not understanding what it implies. They actually think that emotion of fear of losing your grasp on power is something that will communicate to the child brains in their audience, and that will activate them and motivate them to do whatever the power structure tells them to do. It's pathetic. Now, I very rarely read from national review. I used to be an avid national review reader. I was a full subscriber to national review. I really, really enjoyed people like uh, Charlie Cook and Kevin Williamson and Raihan Salam while he was there. But once COVID started, that publication absolutely tanked. They were always at least half never Trump. There were still some people worth reading on a bunch of different subjects. And by the way, when I was reading National Review, I also wasn't into Trump at that time. Like I had become an independent rather than a Democrat, and I was trying to figure out what in the world I had missed for my entire life growing up being sheltered first in the academic bubble and then in the Hollywood bubble. And so National Review caught me up on a lot of that stuff. But ultimately, every writer there completely failed in 2019 and 2020. They totally got scared of covid and they absolutely helped Joe Biden get elected. So obviously, I canceled my subscription. I never read the thing. But this is David Harsanyi, and he is actually I don't know if he was I don't he wasn't full on MAGA, but he wasn't anti Trump. And he was actually supposed to come on my podcast in 2020, and we just kind of lost touch. I stopped doing the guest thing. But anyway, here's an article from today. Uh, It's entitled Biden's Big Election Lie. These were little more than the mendacious ravings of a demagogue. President Joe Biden delivered his voting rights speech in Atlanta today, telling a crowd. The next few days when these bills come to a vote will mark a turning point in this nation. Will we choose democracy over autocracy? Light over shadow? (laughs) Oh, poetry. Oh, poetry. You got me with the emotions. Justice over injustice. I know where I stand. I will not yield. I will not flinch. I will defend your right to vote in our democracy against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Oh. Domestic. What could he mean? Oh, is he calling us terrorists again? Oh, it's so presidential. What a great unifier. And so the question is, where will the institution of the United States Senate stand? (laughs) Oh, man. If Joe Biden was 30 years younger, he would uh, sound like Adolf Hitler. Biden's argument is predicated on the idea that anyone who continues to support the legislative filibuster, a Senate rule the president defended for nearly 50 years, or voter ID laws or time restrictions on mail-in ballots or consistent hours for early voting or bans on ballot harvesting is no better than Bull Connor. Do you want to be on the side of Dr. King or George Wallace was the false choice offered by a man who repeatedly praised Wallace and other segregationists early in his career. You got that? I say it often. Joe Biden was mentored in politics by a Klansman. The president suggested that anyone opposing the Democrats voting rights bill was not only a bigot, but a seditious domestic enemy of the United States, a designation that now probably includes six Democrat senators, if not more. The president pronounced the Senate a Quote, shell of its former self, end quote, lamenting that the GOP had used the filibuster over a hundred times in the past year, skipping the inconvenient fact that Democrats had done so over 300 times the preceding four years. Biden, the institutionalist, then unloaded a litany of completely misleading contentions about voting laws to justify his abandonment of principle. And the reason Joe Biden is compelled to lie about virtually every aspect of the Georgia voting law is that the specifics are actually quite popular and do not inhibit a citizen from casting a ballot. Most of the requirements Biden contends are now compulsory for democracy to properly function had only been instituted in the past few years, many of them only during the last election. Biden's comparing Jim Crow to contemporary voter integrity laws is detestable. One was a violent suppression of the minority vote. The others was giving voters only 11 weeks before an election to request a ballot and declining to keep expanding voting into the weekend. At this pace, Democrats will be arguing that disenfranchisement of illegal immigrants is the manifestation of the Dixie agenda by 2024. ID requirements are what the left detests most, and yet this is the provision they talk about least. Why? Most polls find overwhelming majority support for limiting early voting hours and requiring photo IDs to vote fascists in Colorado and Connecticut and most other states. Not only Georgia still demand a person provide government issued ID to vote. They, just like Georgia, allow voters without ID to provide the last four digits of their social security number, a bank statement or utility bill, a paycheck or any other government document with their name and address. Maybe if states allowed vaccine passports to suffice, Democrats would be up for it. But most Americans, most people in the free world have believed it eminently reasonable to expect voters to identify themselves before participating in democracy. If Democrats believed the vote was sacred, so would they. It's the Democrats who are advocating overturning the will of voters in Georgia and elsewhere. Let's remember that H.R. 1 voting rights bill would have compelled states to allow ballot harvesting, to ban voter ID laws, to allow felons to vote, and to count mail-in votes that arrive up to 10 days after election day. The president sprinkled his speech with feigned indignation and lots of podium pounding. Unable to contain his penchant for fabulism, he seemed to joke around about being arrested the first time during a civil rights march. Maybe Biden was confusing that incident with the time he wasn't arrested in South Africa, trying to see Nelson Mandela or didn't defend the Black Panthers in court or never participated in a sit in. And of course, all of those are other historical Biden lies that he uses when he's telling black people how much he has helped the black people, even though, by the way, he was mentored by a Klansman. That's Robert Byrd. And even though he wrote the 94 crime bill, right? I wrote the damn bill. That's what he says. But hey, Joe Biden, hero to the blacks. I wonder who taught him that. Was it Robert Byrd, the Klansman, the former grand, Klegel and exalted Cyclops of the KKK? Yeah, I bet it was. By the way, another interesting development yesterday, not to steer too far off course. Turns out that Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, now they have identified. He knows who the man in blackface was in that picture from his college yearbook which I guess makes him the guy in the Klan robe for Halloween. Democrat governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, former governor, I should say, or soon to be at least this Saturday, I believe it is. So Ralph Northam in a Klan hood, and that is acceptable in today's modern woke Democrat party. Got that? They can't kick him out. They need his power. And he was just joking back then. It's OK. He was joking. If he was a Republican, then we would have known that he is an actual white supremacist wearing a clan hood. But because he's a Democrat, it's all right. You got to remember the old switcheroo. They are us. We are them. We've discovered that the public doesn't like racism. So we will define ourselves as not racist and we will define our opposition as the actual racist. And we'll use TV and books and newspapers and media and big tech. And everyone will believe us because they have absolutely no choice. And if they try to stand up to it, well, we'll censor them. The switcheroo is a perfect plan. Back to National Review. But one suspects most Democrats understand well. That this is all a nasty bit of cynical political theater, since there is little chance of nuking the filibuster. Biden's attempt to launch his entire agenda in a single reconciliation moonshot stuffed with progressive extravagances failed to get a simple majority. Stymied, the president has decided to preemptively undermine confidence in the 2022 and 2024 elections, smearing half the country as racists while cosplaying as a civil rights hero. The big lie indeed. The consequences of this will be further deterioration of trust in elections, more division, more anger. Now, it must be said that National Review has served no role in restoring election integrity and confidence in our elections because they have helped in the cover up of the 2020 stolen election. And I will not be resubscribing, but that is nonetheless an admirable contribution by David Harsanyi. Now, I'm just going to go into this momentarily because the article, of course, is not worth it. It is written in Politico and like the Axios article, it's just a bunch of opinions and quotes. But headline from yesterday, Dems filibuster conundrum. It's not just mansion and cinema and this is Politico. So when they are propagandizing about what the Democrats can and might do this part, at least we can trust as accurate. And I'm not going to go any further than reading the sub-headline. You can read it yourself if you like. It's not worth it. Mark Kelly is undecided. John Tester likes a talking filibuster, but is not crazy about making an exception for elections reform. And Gene Shaheen is promoting more modest changes. And then you've got mansion and cinema. And then it's worth just reading this part because it's from... Joe Biden's errand boy replacement senator in Delaware, Chris Coons, who now does the local work for the Joe Biden crime family. Senator Chris Coons, who helped organize a bipartisan letter backing up the legislative filibuster in 2017, said he's seriously weighing what to do. You got that? So when Trump was president, Chris Coons helped organize a bipartisan letter reaffirming the importance of the legislative filibuster. But now he's weighing what to do. His explanation. Here you go. Would you like to hear a liar speak? Part of the point of this week is for us to have a vigorous discussion as a caucus and a debate and understand what the proposal is. But I think passing the John Lewis Voting Rights Restoration Act and the Freedom to Vote Act is an urgent priority. Kuhn said. (laughs) you got that? You got that? So he just wants to talk and he wants to make sure that this very important piece of legislation passes. But there's that whole thing about how he's supported the legislative filibuster forever. And so has Joe Biden. And so he's seriously weighing it. He understands there are arguments on both sides. Yes, he's going to take the politically expedient view that he is forced to take partially because he's told to and partially for his own survival. But he's going to seriously weigh it first. Now, last night, the NCAA updated their COVID definitions. They made it so a recent infection and clearing of COVID would count exactly the same as fully vaccinated for 90 days. Now, first off, That is a nice and semi-important thing to push into the central narrative, right? Because all the morons who have been scared of COVID this entire time on television and in media and in tech and blah, 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 they're all now going to have to incorporate an argument for why this is still good, right? They'll say the science has evolved or Omicron's different or we understand natural immunity now. Right. They'll they'll go through that and that part will be productive. But on the NCAA end, let's not pretend what this is. Okay, the NCAA only really cares about basketball right now. It's not some coincidence that they released this new policy the day after the national football championship. Okay, so where does 90 days from today take us? That takes us into early April. What happens in early April in NCAA college basketball? Well, the answer is nothing. The championship game for their tournament is on April 4th. It is March Madness and then a couple games in April. But that's it. April 4th, 90 days from yesterday. That's after April 4th. So I guess that COVID is not going to affect the massive money suck, that is the NCAA tournament, <laughs> but that's, that's probably unrelated, probably got nothing to do with it, they're just trusting the science, they're just following the science, the science has evolved, and here's another area where the science has evolved, I'm going to go to Alex Berenson's Substack. yes, that Alex Berenson, the guy who was so desperately clinging to mainstream acceptance, that he actually did not pursue the real COVID narrative. He always pursued the COVID narrative that was anywhere between three months, six months, maybe a year behind everything, but good for him. He was ahead of the mainstream curve. And that's what makes you famous. Boosters are over is what his post is titled. Now the World Health Organization has waved the white flag on COVID vaccine boosters too. WHO released a statement about COVID vaccines yesterday. It's filled with the usual public health jargon and ass covering. But one line stands out. A vaccination strategy based on repeated booster doses of the original vaccine composition is unlikely to be appropriate or sustainable. It's over, people. Oh, thank God. Alex Berenson has finally decided that. Aside from a few unlucky Israelis, no one is going to receive a fourth dose of the original vaccine. Everyone with eyes can see it doesn't work against Omicron. (laughs) It doesn't work against any of them, Alex. And if you haven't gotten a third dose at this point, why would you? You are getting at most weeks of marginally improved protection for potentially severe side effects. Oh, congratulations for figuring that out. Instead, the WHO is now promising slash demanding vaccines based on whatever the dominant SARS-CoV-2 strain is at the moment. That promise is as empty as all the others, the health bureaucrats and vaccine companies have made at least five major variants variants of concern have developed in the last year and two have become globally dominant. Even the MRNA vaccines cannot be cooked up and delivered fast enough to match whatever strain of virus becomes dominant. COVID is faster than the scientists at most Future COVID vaccinations will look a lot like current influenza vaccinations and not the other way around. They'll be cooked up annually and handed out at the beginning of the winter season. They won't do much and no one will expect them to. Actually, they might go ahead and give the disease to a bunch of vulnerable people and they might actually kill people, (laughs) but we shouldn't look back into the flu shots. In fact, let's not look at any vaccines at all. Gosh, that'd be crazy. Let's just focus on the COVID vaccine. It explicitly said in a statement that future vaccines against covid must be more effective in protection against infection, thus lowering community transmission. Two huge points hidden in those 11 words. First, they are inherently a devastating critique of the current failure of covid vaccines to work as promised. In fact, the covid vaccines don't work at all. Oh, but I know I know they create antibodies that are supposed to help. Do they help? Well, there's absolutely no proof in the world anywhere that they do. But the antibodies, but the antibodies, the antibodies are what must have saved me. Oh, the antibodies. They made it so that my Omicron variant wasn't very, very dangerous like I thought it would be. I only had mild symptoms. I didn't develop serious illness. I didn't go into the hospital. I didn't die. Therefore, the vaccines worked. But I did get the disease and I actually had it. To be honest, I had it a little worse than the unvaccinated people I know, because for them, this was just like a mild cold. But for me, the vaccinated person, oh, I was knocked out for three weeks. (laughs) Oh, but at least you didn't get serious illness or hospitalization or death, right? Say the thing again on Twitter. Oh, the vaccines really work. Thank goodness I got it. I'm going to get my fourth, too. Hey, you got COVID, moron. The vaccine didn't work. And it ain't a vaccine. Second, the WHO does not apply that standard to flu vaccines, which do not and are not expected to stop community transmission. Why demand more of COVID vaccines? The only honest answer is that the mRNA and DNA COVID vaccines have much more severe side effects than flu vaccines and thus must be held to a much higher standard. Oh, is that the only honest answer, Alex Berenson? Yeah, 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 that's 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 the only honest answer. It couldn't it couldn't be anything else. It couldn't be that they just want to give people the vaccines because they're trying to make money, or in fact, maybe they're trying to hurt and sterilize people. Yeah, they actually do mess with people's reproductive cycles. (laughs) Isn't that strange? That's actually what Alex Berenson sounds like, by the way. That impression is spot on. I do a good Bernie impression and an okay Fauci impression. That Alex Berenson impression, no one can mess with that. So he was saying that the COVID vaccines, because they have much more severe side effects, which he is very dangerous in saying, than flu vaccines, they must be held to a higher standard. And then he goes on, which they have no hope of meeting. The war is over. The mRNA vaccines lost. The only question is when, how? That is not what he meant. He must have left an extra word in there. I could make fun of him, but it happens to the best of us. The only question is how many more people... Will be harmed before American public health authorities announce their surrender. Now, Alex Berenson is using a lot of strong words in there. There's still no indication he has actually woken up, so take that for what you will. But he is on to something. He is on to something. We are in the end game on vaccines. We are in the end game on COVID. We are getting to the point where we are reaching the end game on election fraud. It is all coming. It doesn't happen as quickly as we would like it to, but we have to remember that we are not winding down a year old problem or a two year old problem. We are winding down a centuries old problem worldwide. That was never going to be fun. It was never going to be easy. All that matters is that it happens and we should be overjoyed that we get to live during this period in human history. It is magnificent. And here is Dr. Tedros talking about it.
1: The composition of current COVID-19 vaccines may need to be updated to ensure they continue to provide WHO-recommended levels of protection against infection and disease Kovac also said that a vaccination strategy based on repeated booster doses of the original vaccine composition is unlikely to be sustainable.
0: Well, thank goodness so much of the world has already purchased hundreds of millions of doses of those vaccines as booster shots. Oh, did we do that too? Oh, man, what a huge waste of money that must be. And since we don't talk about Tedros very often, let's just remember who this guy is, okay? This is from Breitbart on December 14th of 2020 by Simon Kent. Report, WHO Chief Tedros could face genocide charges. The head of the World Health Organization, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, faces a call for prosecution over his alleged involvement in directing security forces in his Ethiopian homeland. The Times of London reports an American economist nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize, David Steinman, accused the 55-year-old career bureaucrat of being one of three officials in control of the Ethiopian security services from 2013 to 2015. Tedros was the country's health minister from 2005 to 2012 and its foreign minister until 2016 when his communist Tigray People's Liberation Front was the main member of the ruling coalition. You got that? A communist party. Analysts reportedly, including American government officials, have listed the TPLF in the global terrorism database. Thank goodness he's the head of the WHO who's directing our health response in coordination with people like Dr. Fauci and Bill Gates. Right. Perfect. The Times says Steinman, an economist and campaigner nominated for the Peace Prize last year lodged the complaint at the International Criminal Court in The Hague. He alleged Tedros was, quote, a crucial decision maker in relation to security service actions that included killing, arbitrarily detaining and torturing Ethiopians, end quote. The complaint to prosecutors at the ICC comes after General Berhanu Jula, Ethiopia's army chief of staff called last month for the WHO leader to resign. He accused him of trying to procure weapons for the Tigray region, where the Ethiopian army is fighting local forces. In his complaint, Steinman pointed to a 2016 U.S. government report on human rights in Ethiopia that found the civilian authorities at times did not maintain control over the security forces and local police in rural areas and local militias sometimes acted independently. Steinman added the U.S. report cited other documented crimes. He accused Tedros of being involved in the intimidation of opposition candidates and supporters, including arbitrary arrest and lengthy pretrial detention. Oh, you mean the sorts of things that happen in communist dictatorships? Now, is Joe Biden's illegitimate administration trying to intimidate opposition candidates and supporters? Yes, they are. In fact, they named, and the administration was responsible, we now have proof of that, the Secretary of Education in the fake administration was responsible for asking the National School Boards Association to write the letter to the Department of Justice Merrick Garland asking for federal help dealing with violent threats to the school boards. And Merrick Garland responded by calling American parents who are concerned about their children's education domestic terrorists. So check that one off. But are they intimidating candidates? Yes, in fact, election fraud specialist Mark Elias is trying to file lawsuits. To make it so that Republican candidates will be deemed ineligible to ever serve in public office again because they were part of the very violent insurrection. So that part's true too. That's two. Do they have arbitrary arrests? Well, no one needs to question that. And do they force American citizens to endure lengthy pretrial detention? Yes. In fact, we've had political prisoners rotting in D.C. jails since last year, since last January 6th. The aftermath of that, all sorts of Americans have been swept up just for being at the Capitol. According to the Times, the complaint also alleged that Tedros oversaw the killing and causing serious bodily and mental harm to members of the Amhara Kanso, Oromo, and Somali tribes with intent to destroy those tribes in whole or in part. Tedros has denied the allegations and any wrongdoing. As recently as last month, he issued a statement addressing the current situation in Tigray. There have been reports suggesting I am taking sides in this situation, he said. This is not true, and I want to say that I am on only one side, and that is the side of peace. This is not the first time Tedros has been at the center of controversy in his Ethiopian homeland. In October 2017, he named Zimbabwe's Robert Mugabe a goodwill ambassador to help combat non-communicable diseases in Africa, provoking outrage from medical professionals and human rights groups. At the time, the New York Times noted. The role of goodwill ambassador is largely symbolic, but rights groups were scathing in their reaction to the symbolism of giving it to a man whose leadership, they say, has led to the collapse of its health service and major rights abuses in Zimbabwe. Ultimately, Tedros rescinded his decision to favor Mugabe in the wake of criticism. Earlier this year, President Donald Trump announced the United States would leave the WHO in July 2021 after accusing Tedros of not doing enough to hold China to account for initial attempts to conceal the coronavirus outbreak from the rest of the world. So great guy. So yesterday I discussed the Project Veritas release and what Major Joseph Murphy had provided to Project Veritas and I hadn't seen the full report from him yesterday and his letter. So I wanted to share that today because I have it now. So this is his initial like cover letter for the report. Okay. And he is addressing a captain here, but the captain's name is redacted with X's. He says, thanks for responding. I'm reaching out to communicate some information relative to COVID that I don't believe XXX redacted or your director is aware of. You probably saw earlier this week that more official documents linking NIH and EcoHealth Alliance to the Wuhan Institute of Virology were published by The Intercept. I came across additional incriminating documents and produced an analysis shortly after leaving DARPA last month. This report was routed to the DOD inspector general's office. I'm unsure whether the significance of what I communicated is understood by those that received the report. Decisions with regards to the vaccine do not appear to be informed by analysis of the documents. The main points being that SARS-CoV-2 matches the SARS vaccine variants the NIH EcoHealth program was making in Wuhan. That the DOD rejected the program proposal because vaccines would be ineffective and because the spike proteins being inserted into the variants were deemed too dangerous, gain of function and that the DOD now mandates vaccines that copy the spike protein previously deemed too dangerous. To me and to those who informed my analysis, this situation meets no-go or abort criteria with regards to the vaccine until the toxicity of the spike protein can be investigated. There's also information within the documents about which drugs effectively treat the program's SARS-CoVs. Thus why I'm reaching out. I'm trying to help aid leadership grapple with the vaccines and the mandate with as much information as is available. I wanted to push this information your way. Several of the documents referenced in the IG report have since been downgraded. And he's talking about classification there. Please reach out to me with questions. And so this is the report. Okay. This is unclassified defense advanced research projects agency. From commandant of the Marine Corps fellow at DARPA to the inspector general one SARS-CoV-2 is an American created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting surrounding the lab leak hypothesis. The details of this program have been concealed since the pandemic began. These details can be found in the EcoHealth Alliance proposal response to the DARPA preempt program, broad agency announcement, BAA, dated March 2018, a document not yet publicly disclosed. The contents of the proposed program are extremely detailed. Peter Daszak lays out step-by-step what the organization intends to do by phase and location. The primary scientists involved, their roles, and their institutions are indicated. The funding plan for the Wuhan Institute of Virology work is its own document. The reasons why non-pharmaceutical interventions like masks and medical countermeasures like the mRNA vaccines do not work well can be extrapolated from the details. The reasons why the early treatment protocols work as curatives are apparent. You got that? Masks don't work. Vaccines don't work. Early treatments do work. What policies are being supported by our public health community and our very serious scientists. The opposite. Are they trying to save lives? No. Have they tried saving lives at any point during this period? Also, no. SARS-CoV-2's form as it emerged is likely as a precursor. Deliberately virulent, humanized, recombinant, SARS-R-C-O-V, that was to be reverse engineered into a live attenuated sars COV bat vaccine. Its nature can be determined from analysis of its genome with the context provided by the EcoHealth Alliance proposal. Joining this analysis with U.S. intelligence collections on Wuhan will aid this determination. When synthesized with the EcoHealth Alliance proposal, U.S. Collections Confirm EcoHealth Alliance was performing the work proposed. The analysts produced their reports in a vacuum, absent the context the proposal provides. As a fellow at DARPA, I could see both and can do the synthesis. For instance, WIV personnel identified in intelligence reports are named in the proposal. These people use the lexicon of the proposal in the collections and the virus variants proposed for experimentation are identical to those gleaned by collections. Moreover, I am also privy to information obtained by congressional office investigators and by drastic, which further corroborates that the program detailed in the BAA response was conducted until it was shut down in April, 2020. The purpose of the EcoHealth program called DEFUSE in the proposal was to inoculate bats in the Yunnan, China caves where confirmed SARS-CoVs were found. Ostensibly, doing this would prevent another SARS-CoV pandemic. The bats immune systems would be reinforced to prevent a deadly SARS-CoV from emerging. The specific language used is, quote, inoculate bats with novel chimeric polyvalent spike proteins to enhance their adaptive immune memory against specific high risk viruses End quote understand okay that they were trying to vaccinate bats that is the cover and then remember dual use right so the thing they're trying to do is vaccinate bats but the dual use is they're also creating a military-grade bioweapon. Isn't that incredible? Being defense-related, it makes sense that EcoHealth submitted the proposal first to the Department of Defense before it settled with NIH-NIAID. The BAA response is dated March 2018 and was submitted by Peter Dashik, president of EcoHealth Alliance. DARPA rejected the proposal. Because the work was too close to violating the gain of function moratorium, despite what Peter Dashick says in the proposal that the work would not, as is known, Dr. Fauci with NIAID did not reject the proposal. The work took place at the WIV and at several sites in the U.S. identified in detail in the proposal. The EcoHealth Alliance response to the preempt BAA is placed along with other proposal documents in the preempt folder on the DARPA Biological Technologies Office, JWICS, top secret, share drive. And he gives the address of the drive. This folder was empty for a year. The files, completely unmarked with classification or distribution data, were placed in this folder in July 2021, which conspicuously aligns with media reporting, my probing, and Senator Paul's inquiry into NIH, NIAID, gain-of-function programs. The unmarked nature, combined with the timing, signals that the documents were being hidden. No files at DARPA go unmarked in classification or distribution, including proprietary documents. Further, preempt is an unclassified program. Got it? So it's very clear to this analyst, Major Joseph Murphy, that the files he located were intentionally put in the wrong place in order to hide them. The files are now held by Marine Corps intelligence activity. They're identified in the reference block above. Again, note that Marine Corps intelligence activity—that is who is in possession of all of this information now. Do you think there is nothing happening behind the scenes? Two SARS-CoV-2, hereafter referred to as sars cov is a synthetic spike protein chimera engineered to attach to human ACE2 receptors and insert it into a recombinant bat sars cov backbone. It is likely a live vaccine not yet engineered to a more attenuated state that the program sought to create with its final version. It leaked and spread rapidly because it was aerosolized, so it could efficiently infect bats in caves, but it was not ready to infect bats yet, which is why it does not appear to infect bats. The reason the disease is so confusing is because it is less a virus than it is engineered spike proteins hitchhiking a ride on a SARS-R-CoV quasi-species swarm. The closer it is to the final live attenuated vaccine form, the more likely that it has been de-attenuating since initial escape in August 2019. The utility of certain countermeasures can be extrapolated from the documents. And there's three bullet points. The team selected for SARS-R-CoVs that were most monoclonal antibody and vaccine resistant. Oh, well, that sounds like it could pose a problem. It is not practical to inoculate bats directly with shots, nor can bats get respiratory infections from droplets. So the team developed an aerosol to deliver the inoculations directly into the caves to ensure it worked well. They developed the aerosol against masked civets and civets are animals. The proposal notes that interferon remdesivir and chloroquine phosphate inhibit sars cov viral replication because of its now known nature. The sars cov wivs illness is readily resolved with early treatment that inhibits the viral replication that spreads the spike proteins around the body, which induce a harmful overactive immune response as the body tries to clear the spikes from the ACE2 receptors. Many of the early treatment protocols ignored by the authorities work because they inhibit viral replication or modulate the immune response to the spike proteins which makes sense within the context of what EcoHealth was creating. Some of these treatment protocols also inhibit the action of the engineered spike protein. For instance, ivermectin, identified as curative in April 2020, works throughout all phases of illness because it both inhibits viral replication and modulates the immune response. Of note, chloroquine phosphate, hydroxychloroquine, identified April 2020 as curative is identified in the proposal as a SARS-R-CoV inhibitor, as is interferon, identified May 2020 as curative. The gene-encoded, or mRNA vaccines, work poorly because they are proteins and possess no other epitopes. The mRNA instructs the cells to produce synthetic copies of the sars cov wiv synthetic spike protein directly into the bloodstream, wherein they spread and produce the same ACE2 immune storm that the recombinant vaccine does. Many doctors in the country have identified that the symptoms of vaccine reactions mirror the symptoms of the disease, which corroborates with the similar synthetic nature and function of the respective spike proteins. The vaccine recipient has no defense against the bloodstream entry, but their nose protects them from the recombinant spike protein quasi-species during, quote, natural infection, better termed as aerosolized inoculation. Furthermore, the EcoHealth proposal states that a vaccine approach lacks sufficient epitope coverage to protect against quasi-species of coronavirus. Consequently, they were trying to make vaccines work by, quote, targeted immune boosting via vaccine inoculators using chimeric polyvalent recombinant spike proteins, quote. The nature of using a spike protein vaccine with one epitope against a spike protein vaccine with a quasi species may explain the unusual and potentially detrimental antibody response amongst the vaccinated to the new COVID variants, Fundamentally, the knowledge the proposal provides signals that the risk of antibody dependent enhancement from vaccination should be evaluated with high priority on top of the reality that single epitope vaccines will have little effect against SARS-R-CoV-W-I-V, as indicated in the proposal, the potential for SARS-R-CoV-W-I-V. To deattenuate requires immediate attention. Live vaccines have been found to deattenuate in the past. If this is the case with SARS-CoV-W-I-V, then the mass vaccination campaign actually performs an accelerated gain of function for it. Since it is designed for bats off a human susceptible SARS-CoV, vaccinating humans against it actually gains its function back toward a more deattenuated human susceptible form. Improving the sars 2 spike protein to gain robustness against monoclonal vaccines is one of the steps of the diffuse program. The mechanism to improve the SARS-R-C-O-V-W-I-V spike protein other than direct engineering is to challenge it against animals that have spike protein only antibodies. The attenuated virus will either die or adapt its form to neutralize the spike protein only antibodies. The intent was to perform this task against humanized mice and then batified mice. Instead, it was done with the world's population. sars wiv is not meant to kill the bats, but to immunize them. This nature may explain its general harmlessness to most people and its harmfulness to the old and comorbid who are in general more susceptible to vaccine reactions, vaccine reactions. That is what he is talking about interchangeably with what we know as the virus. The asymptomatic nature is also explained by the bat vaccine intention of its creators. A good vaccine does not generate symptoms. Such effects would be expected from an immature vaccine or a vaccine being reverse engineered from a more virulent form into an attenuated form. The spike protein effect on ACE2 receptors exacerbates the harmfulness in accordance with age and comorbidity. The nature of sars rcovwi de deattenuation will also indicate future virulence, though knowing its nature at last neutralizes the threat as effective treatments can be applied with confidence. Man, imagine we had known all this all along. Imagine Anthony Fauci had known this all along. How much different could our lives be? Except he did know this all along and he did what he did anyway. So what does that mean about Anthony Fauci and what he intended to do? Well, you can see it in his emails. You can hear it in the testimony. All you actually have to do to understand the situation we're in is believe what is in front of your eyes and everywhere around you. That is all you have to do. Believe in reality and you will understand what is happening right now. Drastic and other scientists will clean up my description of sars cov wivs nature and progression within the diffuse program. This information is sufficient for an investigative report and more than enough to correct the existing pandemic strategy. Previously, the nation did not know itself nor the adversary in the pandemic conflict. Now it knows both. The problem can be framed appropriately and specifically against a confirmed hypothesis. Limiting disease transmission can be dropped as the implied strategic end, as it is not the actual problem, nor is it actually feasible. The strategy will then align early treatment protocols and prophylaxis with the known curatives as ways and means. This course of action will achieve the strategic end of clinical resolution for those that are susceptible to the adverse effects from SARS-R-C-O-V-W-I-V inoculation. Four, I will inevitably be asked how I figured this out and how I discovered the documents. The pandemic response became the predominant focus of my fellowship efforts. DARPA worked a number of pandemic innovations, and much of its team was familiar with biodefense. I had the opportunity to, quote, sit in the back row, per se, and observe and listen in on the government's efforts. My obligation light fellowship also allowed me to observe and read the field. This observation grew in scope to the point that it became a series of reports like a military scout would prepare when tasked to investigate a problem. These reports served as iterative thinking against the problem over many months. Eventually, I arrived at a hypothesis that what leaked from the WIV could be a bat vaccine or its precursor. It was feasible that the U.S. would try to avoid a SARS-CoV outbreak by stopping it at its source, not by halting its infections amongst people, but by halting the infections amongst the bats. Americans are creative, even if imprudent and technologically confident enough to try it. You got that? technologically confident that my friends is the technocracy that is scientism that is the worship of science rather than an understanding of science and that is one of the major afflictions in this society and speaking of technologically confident we have all the big tech firms the people that think that they are going to move us into a metaverse not going to happen is that a bold prediction why yes it is I think the metaverse is bullshit and will never take hold anywhere. And I know people are already doing it. Everybody always whines when they respond to that. Like they actually have something to say after it. Well, say that thing and skip the wine. This concept seemed to fit within the preempt program construct as well. And drastic had discovered that some earlier specimens within the USAID predict program were obtained in Africa and sent to the WIV. Moreover, the unusual nature and pathology of the virus hinted that it could be a vaccine or vaccine like a technological challenge as difficult as inoculating bats in China would be tried at DARPA first. The massive Manhattan Project level of information suppression executed by the government and the Trusted News Initiative indicates that it would be covered up if something bad happened. The lab leak hypothesis and squabbling between Senator Paul and Dr. Fauci indicated that the cover-up was more localized. Further, an actual cover-up would be more disciplined with its paperwork. So I presumed that unclassified files would be concealed on a higher network and found them where I expected them to be. I understood what they were and their content, pushed the files off-site, that, as he mentioned, is to marine intelligence and compiled this report so marine intelligence huh i wonder why joe biden with his military wasn't able to prevent these documents from coming out gosh Man, if only he was in enough control and had enough governmental power through fraudulent elections, maybe he could have prevented these documents from getting out. Now, I know this is running long, but I want to do one last thing before I go. And what I want to do is play you the clip Of the Donald Trump interview with the NPR host that there are all these headlines about how Donald Trump hung up on the NPR host after he was pushing back on Trump's claims of election fraud. So listen to this and tell me if you think that narrative about this phone call is accurate in any way. And by the way, if you want to see this video, you can actually see the NPR host and his facial expressions and all that. It's in the info stream t.me slash I'm your moderator on Telegram.
2: In fact, they say, and I can't testify because it's been through a lot of systems, a lot of different systems, but they say, and they say very strongly, the judge is just nobody's really gotten a chance So look, look at the United States Supreme Court. They refuse to hear the case. And you had a They guess, said there was no standing to doing. give the
1: case. That's
0: correct. Well, Can I just no ask?
2: standing. I know, no standing. And the president of the United States supposedly didn't have standing either. So I wanted to file it myself. They said, "Sir, you don't have standing." I said, "Wait a minute. I'm the president of the United States. They just rigged an election. Hundreds of thousands of votes in different states. They just rigged an election. We got, we got." A number of votes that I think you'll agree, no sitting president has ever gotten. the number of votes that I got, no a lot sitting of votes. president That's true. has ever in, gotten. A lot of, no lot of sitting you, president. You, I, nobody believes. You think Biden no, got eighty million it's, votes? It's, it's I don't believe it's it. true that you, you got more got than any sitting, sitting president in, in the election. It's
1: disputed.
0: How come um, he
2: couldn't? If I can Mr. Biden, president, Mr. President, let me ask you this question: How come Biden couldn't attract twenty people for a crowd? How come when he went to speak? in different locations. Nobody came to watch. But all of a sudden, he got 80 million votes. If you're, nobody believes if you're that forgiving, state,
0: it, maybe because the election was state. about you. If I can just move on to ask, are you telling Republicans in 2022 that they must press your case on the past election in order to get your endorsement? Is that an absolute? They're going
2: to do whatever they want to do. Whatever they have to do, they're going to do. But the ones that are smart, the ones that know, you take a look at... Again, you take a look at how Carrie Lake is doing, running for governor. She's very big on this issue. She's leading by a lot. People have no idea how big this issue is, and they don't want it to happen again. It shouldn't be allowed to happen, and they don't want it to happen again. Wanted- and the only way it's not going to happen again is you have to solve the problem of the presidential rigged election of 2020. So Mr. Steve, President, thank you if very well, much. Well, well, i, I One more
1: question. It. I want to ask about
0: a court hearing yesterday on January 6th. Judge Amit Mehta, he's gone. Okay. Now, did that sound like Donald Trump getting upset and hanging up? <laughs> no. That was an absolute carpet bombing of election red pills on an NPR host. That was absolutely masterful manipulation of the media that was fantastic imagine i well i guess i don't know if they have actually already played that full clip on like npr radio or they have the whole thing in their articles i imagine they must because they think that they're somehow taking advantage of The situation by saying that Trump got upset and hung up after spewing a bunch of conspiracy theories. They think that actually works. Instead, what they are doing is advertising a whole bunch of important election fraud narratives. And Trump has a rally on Saturday. Within the last six weeks, we have watched the COVID narrative collapse completely. Okay? These things take a long time for the setup, and then they begin happening all at once. Once people actually get so frustrated and so annoyed about being lied to that they finally open their mind a little bit because the real world makes something impossible for them to continue to deny. And once that first little crack opens up, then the rest just rushes right in. And we're going to see the same thing with election fraud. You cannot keep something like that secret. You cannot censor your way out of it. They tried to keep people separate so they would not talk. It didn't work. They tried to kick us all off social media so that we couldn't get our message to their people. It didn't work. It never works. It can't work. There is no chance it can work. Their only option left is to literally use state violence against the people. And not just some people, all the people. No one is going to back down in the face of this, okay? There is no win for them. Nothing can stop what is coming. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president.
2: In my mind, that's the end game.
0: Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, I'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the ring. for tonight's broadcast. It's noon! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. And bit shoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct slash cancel couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Ko Go to ko slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes